Well, I appreciated the worship tonight. I needed it. <laughs> I've had a really busy schedule. Uh, the last, let's see, Monday and Tuesday night, we had a great time with DTC, and I know a few of you are here from DTC. It was a really awesome time. And then today I was in a training session for premarital and marital counseling uh, all day long. And then I got back, and as I was driving in the driveway at about 20 to 6, I got a call from uh, a guy, a couple that used to go to our church, and their daughter called and said, my dad is, he's, if something doesn't happen, he's going to die. They just took him to the Parker Adventist Hospital, and uh, he's, he's not doing well. He's had cancer, but, and I went up and visited and prayed for him before, and I felt so bad. I said, man, I'd come over there now, but I can't. You know, I'm speaking tonight. And uh, anyway, too, uh, Marcus was going to speak tonight, but then his girls uh, in soccer, they made it to the 4A quarterfinals tonight. They're playing at 8 o'clock down in Colorado Springs. So he asked me if I'd do this. So I feel like a relief pitcher that just came in from the bullpen, but I didn't get a chance to warm up. <laughs> but, uh, but I just believe God's going to do some good things tonight. And ironically, um, he said if you could do 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. And I just, last night, I spoke on that. So I'm not going to, a little bit of be review for some of you, but this will be a little different for the rest of you, and, uh, but it'll also be different for those that were here, uh, we're at DCC last night. But um, anyway, I just, I just wanna say that, uh, um, before I go any further, I, I, I'm not sure, <laughs> I was so tired, I enjoyed the worship because I could just finally relax today. Uh, but anyway, uh, I felt like somebody was having trouble with their ears, with their hearing, and <laughs> maybe you can't hear me, but anyway, uh, is somebody having trouble with their ears, or is that just, no? Everybody's good. Okay, yep. Oh, you do. Okay, you have trouble? Okay, you have trouble? Okay. Um, okay, let me see uh, how to do this. Um, I'll tell you what. Um, why don't you, why don't the two of you stand? Would you stand just where you are? You can stand right there. You don't have to come up front. And the anointing is just as strong through you as it is through me. But I would like to get some people around uh, both Mary and Patrick if you guys would just kind of move out of your seats and just get around them. And I'm gonna pray, and then you lay hands on them. The scripture says to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And, and uh, so it's, it's frustrating when your ears are not working right. And so, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for a word of knowledge tonight. We know that it shows both Patrick and Mary that you really care about them. And uh, so, Father, I just ask you to come now and just release healing into the ears. I pray that you'll open those ears if they're not functioning right. Anything that's blocking the ear passages or any problem within the inner ear, I pray you'll come and just release total healing. And Lord, we thank you that you're a mighty God. And we release this into your hands, Father, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. I want to pray for Tom. He's the guy in the hospital. Uh, I've got counseling all day tomorrow and all, all day Friday. And, uh, I said, the earliest I can get there is Saturday. So I want him to live to Saturday. I'd like to see him again. In fact, I'd like him to be dramatically healed. And uh, that would be the best. So let's just, if you'll join with me, I want to pray for him. Because I felt, it's really weird. I feel guilty that I couldn't be there. <laughs> but I know if I go after church, he's going to be asleep. They, he said he'll go to sleep at 8. And so it's too late. But, 
But anyway, I felt bad. I felt guilty and bad. I can't get there till Saturday. Uh, and it's just Parker at Venice Hospital. It's not that far away. But anyway, Father, I left up Tom, and it's not about me. <laughs> it's all about him, and it's about you, Jesus. I just ask you to walk into his room right now, and we just agree together that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if it was 2,000 years ago, if you walked into his room, he'd be dramatically healed. I'm asking you, Jesus, because I can't be there tonight. I ask you, Jesus, it's much more powerful that you go there than I go there. And so, Lord, would you just go into the hospital room? I ask you to release healing to Tom. And as I talked with both his wife and daughter, uh, I just pray you'll be with both Janet and with Jen, and you'll just bring them comfort at this time. And give them peace. And give Tom peace too, Lord. And uh, we just pray for supernatural healing. I pray for the potassium levels, which are down to zero, would come back up. And uh, just pray that you'll be with him, Father, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. By the way, I watched a little, little bit of Brian Fenimore this morning uh, while I was eating breakfast. And... He's in 2 Corinthians. I, told, I called Marcus. He said, yeah, Marcus said, we've had a, a mix-up. <laughs> He's been in 2 Corinthians, and we're trying to finish 1 Corinthians. So uh, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read uh, from the New King James, and uh, you can just follow with me. I'm just going to read the first 11 verses. I'm just going to go right through it, and you can just listen if you don't have your Bibles with you or your phone or your iPhone or whatever you use. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, I think it's really important to know people can say Jesus is Lord, but unless they've received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, Those are just words. Why is that? Because when you receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. And so that's the kind of the seal that we belong to him. And so a person that just maybe makes a, not a confession of, you know, it's just just a a mental mental agreement rather than coming into uh, rather a heartfelt receiving of Jesus. See, it's so important in salvation. I remember when I first got saved, I had a really good friend, and I went to him, and I said, well, just say Jesus is Lord. Just say, I tried to get him to say Jesus is Lord. Well, he wouldn't say it, but even if he had, if he just to please me, that doesn't mean he would be saved, you know, but somehow I was just thinking if I could get him to say that, he'd be saved. But you see, salvation is a matter of the heart. It says in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your lips, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. In other words, the heart is involved. It's not just the words that come out of your mouth. And so when we receive Jesus, something very powerful happens. The Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. And therefore, when we say Jesus is Lord, we can say it with conviction because he really is Lord. And, and you know, we don't use the term Lord. Uh, it's just not a term in our culture that's used. But back then, uh, in, the Roman, in the Roman Empire, people would go along and they'd say, Caesar is Lord. And so the Christians really got persecuted because they wouldn't say that oftentimes. They'd say Jesus is Lord. And so sometimes they'd be fed to the lions or they'd be, you know, really go through it. And, but it really meant a lot to them. It meant that that person was 
recognized as deity, was recognized as control over my life, as recognized as the very center of my life. So when we say Jesus is Lord, it doesn't have the same meaning today as it did 2,000 years ago. When people said Jesus is Lord, it could cost them their life 2,000 years ago. When we say it, you know, it's, but the reality is, and Paul makes this very clear, that, you know, you can't really, you can't really, if Jesus isn't Lord, the words are meaningless. And uh, so, anyway, and he goes on to say, whoops, I lost it here. Uh, I guess I got it. Okay, here we go. So it goes on to say in the next verse, verse four, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Now, uh, I'm not doing the whole chapter tonight, but if I were, this is an actual outline. This verse is an outline for the rest of the chapter. In fact, it says there's diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. So verses seven through 11 is all about the gifts of the spirit. Then he goes, there are different differences of ministries, but the same Lord. That word in the Greek is diakonos, and it actually means, you know, different forms of ministry. And the next verses from verse 12 on down to about 20-something uh, is all about the, how the body operates. It says, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. You know, can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. In other words, it talks about how the body, when one suffers, everybody suffers, the connection of the body and the ministry that happens in and through the body. And then the last part, uh, the last part, and it says, notice it says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. So the first is the Holy Spirit, second is Jesus. And then the third one says, there are diversities of activities. That word activities in the Greek is energomata, it actually means offices. And if you look at the last part of chapter 12, it'll say, you know, are all apostles? No. Are all those that operate in, in gifts of healing? No. Are all, you know, uh, in other words, these are offices where people would operate in this. And uh, so it's, and it says, uh, and, and God's the one that places the offices in, you know, there are diversities of activities, the same, but the same, and basically of offices, but it's the same God who works on all. So you've got, You've got the Holy Spirit, you've got Jesus, and you've got, and you've got God. So that really actually breaks down the chapter. It's like a little outline for the chapter. We're only going to stick with the gifts of the Spirit today. I mean, the diversity is the operation of the Spirit. And it uh, goes on to say this. Um, it says, um, verse 7. And uh, I, I'll tell you what, go ahead, Luna, and put up, put up uh, verse 7. I think I have 7 and 11, uh, if you can find that. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit, there it is, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to who? To just special people, right? No? What's it say? That means the entire body of Christ. Unfortunately, the gifts have been limited, I think, in many cases. They've been put up on a pedestal, and they've been limited to just the pastor or the evangelist or the... To be very honest with you, the Scripture makes it very clear that those, all the gifts operate through us. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look like an each one to me. <laughs> okay, so, and notice it says this, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, why? Okay, for the profit or the benefit of all. Profit sounds like money, you're going to make money. You're not going to make money out of this, but anyway, although there are guys on TV that do, but anyway, what I'm saying is the bottom line is it's for the benefit of others. So the gifts are not for you. 
The gifts are to help other people. And I have learned over the years, many, many years, that I can help people a little bit in my own natural ability. You know, because I'm cool. <laughs> Just joking. Anyway, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I can't really help people to a great degree unless I can operate in and through the Spirit. I do a lot of counseling now, and so I, have, I really depend upon the Holy Spirit to really come through, uh, or basically I'm in trouble. You know, I really depend on the Holy Spirit to really make a difference, and he does, and he wants us to depend on him. See, some of the problems is we depend on our own abilities. And how many know that our ability oftentimes falls short? And when it does, we have someone that will really help us. And that's the Holy Spirit. And so we really want to build a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, it's easy to build a relationship with Jesus because we, you know, we, we sense Jesus. We see pictures of Jesus. We see movies about Jesus. But we don't see a lot of movies about the Holy Spirit because <laughs> uh, what's the Holy Spirit look like? Well, some movies it looks like a dove, but it, that's not a good, that's really not a good way to show it. I mean, I've seen, I saw a movie where Jesus is baptized and a dove comes down and lands on him, you know, and now it says the Holy the Spirit came upon, when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. And a dove, it, in other words, it didn't come down like an eagle, where it swooped down, it came down gently and came upon him. And so it wasn't a dove, it came like a dove, that's what the word says. So again, the Holy Spirit is kind of ethereal. It's trying to, how do you, you know, you, you know, God's easy to portray, Jesus is easy to portray. Holy Spirit's a little more difficult. However, the Holy Spirit is the one that we have the most contact with here on earth. The Father's in heaven. Where's Jesus? He's at the right hand. Where's the Holy Spirit? In us and then directed to us. You know, uh, the Holy Spirit comes upon us to help other people through the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us to produce the fruit of the Spirit. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, the self-control. That's the personality of Jesus which is being produced in us. Now, fruit is not produced overnight. If you go plant a fruit tree tomorrow, when are you gonna get fruit from it? Maybe next year if it's a mature tree, if it's a little dinky tree, it's gonna be several years before you get any fruit off that tree. And when you finally get your first you know, harvest, it's going to be just a few, few, a few apples or a few whatever you get. But here's what I want to say is, so fruit takes time. Fruit, so Jesus is producing the fruit in us. However, the gifts of the Spirit are available to everybody immediately. It doesn't take a lot of time for that to happen. I, found, I have found in my own life that the gifts of the Spirit operate the most when I'm most dependent. When I think I got it together, you know, then I, I kind of, the, the Holy Spirit's not able to move as easily. And uh, put that back up again, and, and I want you to see this again. So it says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the benefit of all, but one, and, and then I'm jumping down because it lists all the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm jumping down, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, one of the things about the Holy when you're really dependent on I have found that oftentimes the Holy Spirit is willing to release those gifts through us, but sometimes we're not willing. Now, why do you think we're not willing to flow in the gifts? Like tonight, I had the word of knowledge that somebody was having a hearing problem. And, uh, and so, why would I hesitate to bring that out? Why do you think? Anybody? Yeah, fear of man. Uh, fear that I'm going to screw up and miss it. And I start out and says, everybody have a hearing problem? Everybody looks at me like, no. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, great. Well, I'm off to a great start. Anyway, one of the things I love about Brian Fenimore 
is he always brings words and he misses it more than he hits it. And I really appreciate that about him because he's not worried about what people think. And I think it's really, see, there's two things. We're worried about what people are going to think and we're also worried about we're going to miss it. Brian, I love Brian because he'll come up and he'll give like 10 words and he'll get maybe two of them, you know? And I just think that's awesome. That really encourages me that it's okay to step out. Now, there's a guy in scripture who stepped out a lot and his name was Peter. Now, sometimes he got it right. When, when Jesus said, you know, who am I? He said, well, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, Peter, but my father in heaven. In other words, and Peter was, I'm sure he was going, wow, I, I, I did much better than the other disciples. You know, I, I got it. They didn't say anything. But then if, just a little bit later, he says something that Jesus says he's going to be leaving. And, he, and Peter said, no, you can't. And he goes, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> so he went from being like the number one disciple to get behind me, Satan. How would you like Jesus to say that to you? Get behind me, Satan. And so here's the other thing too. Peter, you know, Peter, they're in the boat and, and Peter steps out on the water. But guess what? You know, we think about him stepping out of the water, how great that was. He walked on the water for a little while. But what happened to Peter? He looks at the waves. What, where does he end up? He ends up underneath, the, underneath, he sinks down into the water. Think how humiliating that was. I mean, think of that. You're walking on the water and you're thinking, well, and all of a sudden, blah, 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 blah. I mean, think of that. And the guys in the boat, you know they weren't quiet. Yeah, there goes Peter. You know, there he goes again, you know. And when you think about it. And then, not only that, Jesus told Peter he was going to deny him three times. Well, what happens? So they take Jesus away, and then the little girl goes, aren't you one of them? He goes, no. And then he says, no. And then he, then he actually curses. Peter, come on. No cursing in church. Anyway, so he, and then what happens? The rooster does what? Crows, and Peter goes out, and he said he wept bitterly. So what I want to say is this to you. Peter was a risk taker, but he screwed up more times than he got it right. However, who preached on the day of Pentecost? Peter did. And how many came into the kingdom? 3,000 men, it says. And so we don't know. Probably 5,000 people, probably, or more. I, we don't know. We don't know how many people came in, but, but there was more than 3,000. Let's put it that way. Now think about that. He got to preach the first message when the church was born and there were all these people that streamed into the kingdom. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was God, I don't know if I would have picked Peter. I think I might have picked John the Beloved, you know, who was always lying next to Jesus and had his, had his uh, head on, on Jesus' breast. I mean, he seemed to be so loving and, you know, but, but let me tell you something. God loves it when you step out and risk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's hard. And I don't, it's not, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. I, I, I am uncomfortable when that happens. Now, uh, if you could, Luna, if you could put up the scripture that shows uh, the, the different, uh, just the different gifts of the spirit. I break them down into three parts. And I, I used this last night uh, when I was teaching on this. But if you can find that, can you find that scripture? There it is. Okay. What I did was I broke down the nine gifts of the spirit into three categories because it's a lot easier to remember. There's the revelation, the revelation gifts are word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. The, um, the power gifts are faith, gift of faith, gift of healings, and gift of miracles. And then the, 
you know, the verbal gifts are um, basically their tongues, interpretation of tongues, and, and prophecy. So, and sometimes things will overlap. Like prophecy and word of knowledge sometimes overlap. Think, what is it? Prophecy is word. You know, when Jesus met the woman at the well in chapter four, was it Jesus talking? Was, I mean, was Jesus operating in word of knowledge when he told her, are you married? And she said, no. And he goes, you're right. You know, you've been married five times and the guy you're living with now is not your husband. Now, notice when Jesus did that, he did it in love. Now, a lot of times Christians today would go, no, you're not married and you're living with a guy and you've been married five times. Now, how many of you know if they say it that way, she's not going to go tell everybody, wow, come see the man who told me everything about me. Jesus did it in such love that this woman was blown away and she became an evangelist for the whole town. And uh, all these people came streaming in because he did it in love. Sometimes Christians don't do it in love, and so you got to always operate. When you operate with the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, you always got to do it in love, or it doesn't, it doesn't impact. So let's just pick word of knowledge. I think that's probably one of the easier ones to, to operate in, and, uh, and so uh, word of knowledge is really just defined simply as facts or information known not in the natural, but by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit reveals these, this information. And uh, sometimes it can be physical healing, sometimes it can be emotional, sometimes, I mean, it can be a whole lot of different things. And, uh, you know, uh, I will tell you, you might, some of you might have heard the story, I think I might have told it when I preached once, but uh, Yvonne and I were, uh, this was several years ago, in fact, uh, we've been married 33 years now, and this was, this was probably about a year or two after, we, right after we got married, uh, I got a call from this, I wasn't in pastoring, I got a call from a church, a church right when we got back from our honeymoon and said, hey, <laughs> we'd really like you to come. We're, our pastor stepped down and we're really kind of in a mess and would you come to the church? And we were living in Greeley and this is in Fort Morgan. And, uh, and I, said to, I said to Yvonne, I said, honey, uh, what do you think? And she goes, no, that's fine. She was cool. And so, uh, so anyway, I was at this church, and I had ministered there maybe about eight or nine times, and it was starting to grow, and it was going really well. And so I was preaching a message on Gideon. It was really, I was really into the message. It was really a good message, and I was really into it. And so I'm preaching, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the message, I felt the Lord not, I didn't hear him audibly, but I felt him say, there's somebody here, and they've written a suicide note, and they're going to commit suicide after the, after the service, and they've already written the note. So... I looked out, and this is a small, you know, I mean, the church had grown. I think there were about 40 when I got there, and now we had probably about 80 people there. And I looked out to see if anybody looked like they were going to commit suicide. Well, nobody did. But anyway, so I just, I just said, I'm not going to bring that. I said to myself, I'm not bringing that word forth. So I went back into, you know. And what I always do, I always say, Lord, if this is you, and this is something that will help you, if this is you, turn up the volume, turn up the, make it, you know, and, but I'll forget about it. Like even with the, like the word of knowledge I had tonight about the ears, I just forgot about it. And then when I got up here, the Lord brought it back. So anyway, I'm preaching, and I'm really into the message, and this keeps coming on stronger and stronger. And uh, I mean, it, got, it was so strong. I mean, the Holy Spirit was really, really strong in saying. So finally, I said, okay, I'm going to obey God. I closed my Bible, and I said, there's somebody here and you are planning to commit suicide after this church service, and you've already written a suicide note. And then I waited, and I waited, and I waited some more. And I waited some more, and I wanted to go, oh, well, I guess I missed it. Let me go back into the, <laughs> by Gideon. Uh, but I, I felt compelled. I couldn't do that. I felt like, 
really strong. So I just stood there, and I, I got to tell you, everybody was uncomfortable. I know Yvonne was really uncomfortable. <laughs> she was really super uncomfortable, and I was really uncomfortable. I felt like I was on a limb, and the limb was starting to crack, <laughs> and it was about maybe about 90 feet below, <laughs> and I was going to splat, and, and then my mind starts, you know, you know, my mind starts saying, well, <laughs> you'll never be invited back here again, <laughs> and you really blew a good message, and, and, but I felt like I couldn't go on. So I just, and I don't know how long it was. I don't know. How long do you think it was? It seemed like hours to, to us. Yeah. It, it was totally hard to believe. And I thought, God, I, I really blew it this time. And by the way, I've blown it at other times. I'm telling, we don't tell the stories where we blew it. Anyway, so, so anyway, nobody's coming. And all of a sudden, this guy in the very back in the sound booth, his name was Joe. And he's like a young guy, 27, 28 years old. He was a single guy. And he starts walking down the aisle. And as he comes down, there was a little platform here, you know. And as he comes down, I could feel this, I could sense this demonic oppression over him. And I remember he came, uh, he came forward and he had his head down. And I just went like this and uh, I just broke that demonic thing. And he fell down on the floor. And then he got up and he said, it's true. He said, I wrote the suicide note. I was going to commit suicide this morning because he said, I had a terrible week. I felt the world would be better off without me. But he said, I remembered that I signed up to do the sound. So he said, I'd already written the note. So he said, he said, so I figured I'll just do the sound and then I'll go take, take my life. But then he raised his hands, but he goes, but the devil's a liar and I'm free. Now, I got to tell you, it was powerful. We had a lot more people the next Sunday. Anyway, <laughs> but anyway, what I want to tell you is what was so powerful, and this is the most dramatic. I mean, I've never had anything that dramatic. But what the thing was so amazing was that if you interviewed some of the people that were there that, that Sunday, nobody will remember what I preached on, even though it was a great message. <laughs> but I guarantee you, everybody walked out of that building knowing that God was real. And I've seen Joe, he's come down here a few times and give me a big hug and say, man. I, but but I, a few months ago, I was thinking, and I said to Yvonne, I said, Yvonne, this story seems so unreal. I said, was it true? And she goes, oh, yeah, it was really true because I was really uncomfortable. Remember when we talked about that? But it seems like something I've made. I didn't make this up. This really happened. And what's that? It is surreal. Yeah. And even as I tell the story, I always think, am I embellishing this? I'm really not. And, but but in, anyway, I've missed it too. There's times where I've stepped out and, and, and just fallen flat on my face. But here's, the, here's what I want to say. This is, what, this is the point I want to get across to you guys. Uh, God loves it when we step out. And when we fall flat on our face, he doesn't see that as failure. You see, I really believe that the, the way we hold back, you know, sometimes you think, well, I'll hold back because it's better not to miss it you know, it's better not to miss it or it's better not to offend somebody. But I, I just want to tell you, allow God to move you beyond your comfort zone. And I'll tell you the most powerful way. Can you put up, so I, I don't have my notes, so can you put up something about love on there? I think I have a, a slide on love. But, um, but anyway, and then we'll come back, and then we'll come back to this slide. But I just want to say, in any of these any of these operations, you've got, to, you've got to operate in love. And the gift should always be motivated by love. And then just, and by the way, 
uh, go ahead to the next, next slide. I don't remember what it is. Earnestly, this is the very end of that chapter 12, right before it goes into 13. Now, in the original, you know, the original letter, there wasn't chapter and verse. They put that in so we could say, turn to 1 Corinthians 13, 1 or whatever. Anyway, this is the very last verse. and says, earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I'll show you a more excellent way. Excuse me. I ate my chicken too fast tonight. Uh, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I'll show you a more excellent way. Now, what's the best gift? And those who were in the, you can't say, those who were in the, what's the best gift? What is it? I can't hear you. Love? No, love is not a gift. Love is a fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so love is what motivates the gifts, but love is not, that's not a gift. Got it? Okay, so what's the best gift? These are, put the gifts back up, please. Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, here's the gifts again. So what's the best gift? Okay, I hear prophecy. Faith. <laughs> all of them. How can they all be? They're all good, but what's the best? The best means... Now, you know, you were, there, you were there last night, so you're not allowed to say. No, you're not allowed to say either. <laughs> okay, you guys are disqualified. Okay, this is a trick question if you haven't figured that out. The best gift is the one that's most needed in that moment. If I'm walking into a hospital room where a person is dying of cancer, probably prophecy is not the best gift. <laughs> uh, if I'm... so. If I'm walking into some, in a hospital room where somebody's dying, uh, I'm hoping that those power gifts are gonna operate. Faith, healings, and miracles. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping is gonna happen, amen? But again, I'm, I'm not, I'm a, I can't make it happen just because I want it to happen. I can be desperate for the Holy Spirit, I can be dependent on the Holy Spirit, but it's gotta happen. I remember when we first came to the church, uh, I did a healing night, uh, you know, I called it healing and miracle night. And uh, I'll never forget this. There were two people that came. One was a lady in our church who had stage four cancer. And then there was a, a neighbor. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a neighbor that lived about three doors down. I think she went to the Nazarene church. Anyway, they both came and we prayed for them that night. And the, the lady who, uh, who, I, you know, who prayed for from our church, I did her funeral six, six weeks later. The lady who was three doors down, who didn't even really go to our church, Nazarene, I don't think she even believed in healing, she got miraculously healed. She was dramatically healed. She came and knocked at our door and said, do you know what happened? I go, no. She said, I was dramatically healed. I'm totally cancer-free. So that kind of blew my mind. I thought the lady that went to our church should have been the one healed. <laughs> you know? But what I'm saying is, we don't have control over that, right? And when we lay hands, we, we can't take, here's another thing I think that stops people from praying for the sick. If we lay hands on somebody and they don't get well, we take responsibility for that and we feel like, wow, we blew it. But you know what? That's not true. Because all he said was to lay hands on the sick. And the recovering, you have to leave to him. If they get recovered, he gets the glory. If they don't, if they don't recover, it's not our problem. It's actually his problem. Now, we need to walk in love with those people when they don't get healed, but, but it's, not, it's not our problem. It's... God's problem. And that'll set you free because at first when I started doing this, I would take responsibility. If somebody get healed, I'd feel bad. Oh man, maybe this will hurt. No, no. God wants us to step out. So I just want to encourage you. If you get anything tonight at all, let it be, and if you could put those gifts back up again, let it be um, 
basically that. Now, let me ask you, um, we're going to co- focus on revelation gifts and power gifts. Uh, I'm not going to get into tongues, interpretation of tongues. We can talk about prophecy too, but uh, basically, let me ask you this. Uh, of those gifts, um, which one is the most puzzling to you? Okay, interpretation of tongues, yeah, that's the one we're not going to talk about tonight. <laughs> I will say this, since you brought it up. There's a lot of confusion about speaking in tongues and the gift of tongues. They're two separate things. Speaking and praying in tongues is when we speak mysteries to God. We don't understand. In, in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, it says, when I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. In other words, our mind does not understand what's being said when we're praying in a tongue. However, in 1 Corinthians 14, 3 or 4, it says, when I pray in a tongue, well, he who prays in a tongue or she who prays in a tongue edifies themselves. The purpose of praying or speaking in tongues is to edify yourself. Now remember, the gifts of the Spirit are always to do what? It's to help other people, to edify or build up or help other people. So the gift of tongues needs to be always followed by the, what, what other gift? The gift of interpretation. So it's really important to understand this because there's a lot of confusion over that. People say, well, you know, I don't have the gift of tongues. Well, no, but you can pray in tongues because <laughs> Jesus said these signs will follow those who simply believe. He didn't say these signs will follow those who are special people or these signs will follow those who are baptized in the Holy Spirit. or these. He just said these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. So basically, anybody can speak in tongues. However, the gift of tongues is a message going to other people that needs to be interpreted by the interpretation of tongues. So, and again, it's, it's not the translation of tongues. Some people say, well, is it a known language? It's not, it would say translation of tongues. It's interpretation. Two people could get an interpretation and they might, out of their own personality, they would have the same spirit of what they're, what's being said, but it would be different wording. So it's not a translation, it's an interpretation. So anyway, that's, I didn't, you know. So of these other gifts, uh, let me just say this. Word of wisdom is the application of knowledge. Uh, Without going there, Acts chapter 6, the church was about to split along ethnic lines. The Hebrew, I mean, the the Gentiles were all ticked off because they felt their widows were not being treated as well as the Hebrew widows. So there was this real possibility of a split or at least taking the, the disciples and getting them to focus on this situation and, and them to stop praying and preaching the word. And so they had a word, a word of wisdom, which was the application of knowledge. You can put that back up again. Um, anyway, the, the word of wisdom was the application of knowledge. And they said, well, we're going to pick uh, seven people who can, who can really, they were the first deacons and they took care of all the business stuff. And uh, so that freed up the disciples to do their, what they were called to. Uh, Discerning of spirits, there's three types. Uh, this is a little review for some of you, but there's three. There's the Holy Spirit. There's, what are the other two? Anybody want to guess? What is it? Yeah, evil spirits, demonic spirits, and the human spirit, yeah. Jesus in John 1, 47, when he saw Nathaniel, he said, behold, a man in whom there is no deceit. Well, how did he know that? He was reading his human spirit. He was picking that up. You've probably operated in this, you've probably operated in all these gifts at different times and just not because it wasn't up on the pedestal, you didn't realize it. Have you ever walked into a place you could feel evil? You could just, the hair on the back of your neck, 
stood up because that's the only place you had hair. No, I'm <laughs> but anyway, but you see, you've sensed evil. Maybe you sensed evil just, you know, so you operate in that. Also, have you ever sensed the Holy Spirit? Maybe you're in worship or you're somewhere. Uh, I felt the Holy Spirit tonight just kind of come on me. I was like wiped out. And uh, I just, man, the Holy Spirit just, I mean, I didn't see the Holy Spirit, but I just entered in and just felt the Holy Spirit. And so, again, um, you know, it's important to know that. And then, again, discerning the human spirit. If you're getting involved in a business deal, how many know it's important to be able to discern that person's spirit? It may look good on paper, but you can get discernment beyond just the natural understanding. Um, And again, faith, healings, gifts of healings, miracles. I mean, those things are all good. Here's what I'd like to do, though. We have a few more minutes. Uh, Rather than me just talk and talk and talk, what I'd like to do is give you an opportunity to step out tonight. Now, that sounds scary. Like, oh, great. You know, I came here to hear a word. I didn't hear, come here to (laughs) to be jerked around. And so, (laughs) so, but anyway... what I want to do, I feel like the whole message here tonight, and I didn't know how this was going to come out, but the whole message tonight is be a risk taker. You know, allow the Holy Spirit to operate through you, but don't be afraid. And sometimes you have to test things. I find that I have to test, and so if I miss it, then I learn, I learn more. I remember I was ministering in Spokane, Washington at a church, and I think you were with me. Uh, anyway, yeah, because Janet came to the service, your sister. Anyway, I was in Spokane, and, and I, had, I was given some words, and I, this one couple came up, and I said, you know, I see that you're starting a new business, and blah, blah, blah. And then I said, and also, I see that you've had some struggles in your marriage and everything, blah, blah, blah. And so, anyway, uh, when I went back to my room that night, I just kind of talked to the Lord, and the Lord said, well, you got one, but you missed two. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, they are starting a business, but <laughs> they're not having marital problems. I go, Great. So I thought, and I felt terrible, you know, when you miss it. You feel terrible, but you can't let that stop you. So I just said, Lord, would you give me an opportunity to somehow make it up? Now, that was my last night. I was flying out the next day. But the guy that picked me up, uh, I don't know if you were there on that trip or not. I can't remember. But anyway, the guy that picked me up, the pastor, he said, hey, on the way to the airport, do you mind if we stop? I want to stop and pray for this couple. And so guess what? It was the couple that we're starting a business. He said, they're, they're just opening an appliance business. So we went by and they said, hey, that was great what you said last night. I said, let me ask you something. When I said you're having, that you were struggling in some areas of marital problems, was that true? They go, no, we didn't really understand that. We're actually doing really well in our marriage. I said, well, I just want to tell you, I missed it. So I just ask you to forgive me. He goes, no, no, that's fine, that's fine. And so, but, but anyway, that was, you don't usually get that chance when you miss it or you sense you missed it. You just have to move on and say, okay, I missed it. Life goes on. Lord, help me not to miss it the next time. Help me to be more accurate, you know. And so, so what I want to say is, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have fun tonight. And uh, <laughs> this, you guys, this is not fun, Pastor. This is really uncomfortable. <laughs> so, so here's what I'm going to have you do. I'm going to have you find somebody who you don't know. I know this is exciting, isn't it? I, you're all really excited about this. Now, the reason I want to do this, I want, to, I, want, I want you to jump out of your comfort zone. Here's what I'm going to have you do. I'm going to have you get with somebody you don't know, and I'm going to have you just pray for them and see if anything comes. And whatever comes, speak over them. And then ask them if it makes any sense. Now, sometimes you'll speak something over that might be future, so they might say, well, not right now it doesn't, but it could in the future. Or it might, they might say, 
it absolutely makes no sense at all, or, wow, that's really right on. So just have fun with this. In other words, if you miss it tonight, it's okay. Say, it's okay if I miss it. But it's not okay if I'm afraid to step out. <laughs> and so uh, I'm going to let you, some of you are going to have to get out of your seats. And some people look very comfortable tonight. <laughs> so you'll have to get out of your seat. I want you to go find somebody who you don't know. And then just take a minute, few minutes, pray. One person will pray for them. Then the other person will pray for the other person. And I want you to just, 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 just practice. This is called practice. So go ahead. Go find somebody, and then if somebody can't find anybody, I'll hook you up. <laughs>